Hello and welcome to Curly Brace Podcast. My name is Rocket and I am one of the co-hosts. And today we are skipping our intros and we are jumping directly back into our conversation around housing in the United States. Yeah, we, this and is this is something we've got to get we got to get the ball rolling and, and we ended you guys on a on a cliffhanger there. That's right. That's right. And while we were away for a week, Greg forgot to mention something that he really wanted to bring up. So he's going to bring up something about a video that you saw, Greg. Uh, yeah. So I was watching. Um, it was just an interesting idea about how we treat home loans versus any other type of loan. Okay. Right? Um, and it's just well, it, you can it, borrow it, against it, right? That's that's one. Your home, thing. your home is At immediately least. leveraged against the property you buy. Immediately, yeah, yeah. Which is like, explain that to me. Ex- explain that to me. So when I, I got my mortgage, right? It it when I when they approved my mortgage, you know how you can get loans and you can leverage your loan with like a car or something if you wanted, or you can just get a loan based on your credit and you don't have to leverage right. anything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when you get a mortgage loan, they immediately leverage your property in your home. So that way, if you don't pay the loan, they can take it back. Oh. Yeah. So that's that's how the banks can take your home, right? Is because your home is leveraged against the loan immediately. And that also that explains why 2008 like, fucked up everyone, yeah. basically. Yeah. Other, okay. Otherwise, if you defaulted on your loan, it would be difficult to take the home back. Right, like you take right. a car back because you literally just tow it, you know. But you can't yeah, tow a house. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, that's why they hold on to the title uh, Bob until the you pay it off, right? Fucking watch me, bitches. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm just sorry. That was stupid. Continue. <laughs> I have kids, man. Like I, I, dad jokes just flow through me. Like, a was that a dad kindred. joke or was that just kind of sad? Like a cry for help. Like you're only watching kids shows and you need something more. That's all you a real thing. Okay. <laughs> Fuck, man. <laughs> Uh, I need social interaction. It's been too long. You know what's great about uh, today's time with streaming and all that? Uh, Back in the day, you had to like rent videos or own it, right? So if like- For all of you Gen Zers out there, there was a thing called Redbox and Blockbuster and you actually (laughs) had to leave the house to go get digital content. I just wanted- concept. I just wanted to bring up, it could be a lot worse because growing up, uh, my younger siblings uh, were twins. and they would like constantly be watching the same episode of Bob the Builder or Little People or Blues Clues. Streaming, you can at, at least there's there's some variance because you can just keep going to the next episode. But back then, times were tough. So what do you do for entertainment? Rewatch the same VHS tape that you've had for years. Uh, and it's yeah. just like the I same. Mean, like How many times did people watch like the Lion King, the Little Mermaid, or you know any of those classic Disney shows, because that's the only thing you could watch, and especially if your parents didn't have cable, right? Which my parents didn't have cable, so it was like you get PBS, right? Because that's public air. I, I have a quick and, question: Do you think yes. the Lion King? Do you think they had any housing problems as lions? No, because <laughs> they killed each other to get the house. Well, I yeah. mean that's debatable. Like, what if they there was, did like, near the like like they had the the corporate corporate lions who were like killing everybody because they had so many lions and the, the corporation lions were taking all of the land because they yeah, had i so think many you lions. really missed the entire plot line of the lion king <laughs> i don't i 
don't think you're telling me the Lion King wasn't about a housing problem and how they wanted pride the poor lion. No, it was an overpopulation problem. That that was the problem. Yeah, but it was an over, well from from Scar's perspective, it was an overpopulation problem. From the rest of Pride's perspective, they had that one uncle that no one invited to Christmas, but he showed up anyway. <laughs> That's a great, great analogy. Yeah, I learned that Akuna Matata means we're repossessing Pride Rock. What? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, one thing led to another, so you know. Good God! But what else so did they show you in that video, rights, Greg? Man. Oh, just like it was touching up more on like what we were talking about, about how uh, uh, the land underneath your house is really the investment and how the house itself is more of a depreciating asset. Yeah. Just because of and also just how um, the barrier of entry to get a house loan is so much lower than what it is to like do a business to like get into like a business because those rates depending on what type of business loan the barrier is is higher right barriers higher sorry yeah yeah so it's harder to get a home loan than a business loan oh no i was saying the opposite oh it's easier to get a home than a business loan yeah oh yeah absolutely yes that's what i was saying okay okay i got confused for a second but yeah no the barrier of entry to get a house loan is like because it's like how much money do you have to bring up front compared to the whole entire value of the house is ridiculously low compared to like what you need to be bringing to the table for like a, a business, business is like loan, almost 50 percent, which is probably why people uh yeah. people were more interested in in housing as an investment because the lower barrier of entry to get into it would it, would it then be considered as like the poor man's investment um, yes. Or the, I it's guess the, the average man's maybe investment. the lazy man's investment, but maybe yeah. the lazy man's yeah. investment. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, cause, cause again, most Americans do not have access to, you know, the investing strategies that the 1% have. Yeah. Right. Like I can't go out and buy a piece of art that's worth $500,000 every Friday because I go to auctions and, and I'm allowed in those auctions. I'm invited to those auctions. Like, you know what I mean? Like the, even if you had the money, you still have to have the connections. Can, can I mention to that, invest in alternative that assets. Uh, 7% there's like, I think there was 54 or $57 trillion in the U S as of like 2008, I think it was. And 7% of that 57 trillion is distributed amongst like, um, middle class to poor. And then the rest of the 90 something percent is in like the top wealthy. Uh, those numbers sound a little skewed. They're not. They're not skewed. Sounds, they sound, they, they right. sound pretty skewed. They're not skewed. They sound scary. They, it's true. They sound scary. I don't, those don't sound right. And it's very right. Uh, hold on. Look it up. I'm looking at it. Yeah. Because this actually, this goes, this is one, uh, one way to separate. The video I'm referencing is called uh, The Economics of Real Estate. It's by this guy on YouTube, Economics Explained. Uh, He does a pretty good job of like laying it out in simple terms, the housing market. And he also likes to compare it between uh, uh, the U.S. and Australia markets, which provides another level of um, perspective on our situation here in the U.S. All right. You ready? Yeah. You were close, but not quite. Okay. The top 1% has 30% of the wealth. Yeah. I thought it was 40%. 30% in 2022. Bro, the stock market. Come on. Okay. Oh, right, right, right. Remember, yeah, a, lot of, yeah. remember okay. a lot of their wealth, a lot of the top 1% wealth is tied to 
intangible assets that's right. that they yeah. have to we're talking about 2022 game, I was talking about 2008 yeah. is what i mentioned but okay. yeah let's, no, okay. no no let's talk about 2022 i want to know what's going on this now. is this is much this is much more relevant yeah. anyway so the largest share is the top 10 percent okay okay yep. excluding the top one percent so so these aren't these aren't stacked so they're separated so exclude the 30 percent from the top one percent yep. and now everyone else from 90 to 99 percent right they are 37 percent then 28% is everyone making from median in, uh, median wage to 90%, and that's 28%. So the top 10% control 37%, and 50 to 90, again, is much less than that. So the next 40% lower control less wealth than the top 10%, okay? The bottom 50% make up 3.3%. Yeah, that sounds about right. The bottom half of households, not Americans, of households. Yep. Make up three per three percent. So that's yeah, that is that alone. And just is to a very clarify, that three per three point three percent is distributed amongst all of those households. Like yeah, so if you so again, assuming a you have a hundred million Americans, money you have a hundred households, in the wealthiest people's pockets. Yep. So so again, so you have a hundred households. Okay, one guy in the village has thirty percent of the wealth of the village. Yep. Ten people have 37% of the wealth, then you have 40 people that have 28% of the wealth. So again, only they have less than 1% per person, right? Compared to the top 10% that have three per person. Yeah. And then literally the another 50 houses have to split 3.3% amongst themselves. Amongst themselves. <laughs> How much more does that top or that top person need to make before the other... 99 decide to just eat him but but again how do you eat him because his wealth is in his walls he has so much he has has so much wealth he's the king he's controlling everything right his wealth is here's the thing yeah right his wealth is the castle itself it's not the gold in the the chamber right because because again remember again if you're gonna look at this as like a peasant versus king kind of thing which in my opinion it is very comparable the peasants use money we use money day to day to buy stuff and obtain like we, we, we work a job we get money for that job then we go walk into a store and we use that money that we got from the job and we buy stuff and that to us feels like freedom meanwhile the top i'm gonna say the top 10 percent and above they do it completely differently than us right they don't have, they rarely ever carry around actual money, right? And if they need money, then they pull it out of some asset that they have. That's right. It's completely different. They don't get a paycheck. So you can't tax them be, based on the government code of taxing in the same way that everyone else is taxed. Like, how do you tax someone that is holds a billion dollars worth of stock and they became a billionaire overnight, but if they sell it, then they're going to have to pay taxes and they don't want to sell it. That's You're right. going to force them to sell it? Yep. That's the that's the dilemma we're in. But there's another yeah, dilemma, the dilemma where the really wealthy just invest their money back into their own stock. That's that's a big huge issue because then that, that money that doesn't I, get redistributed yeah. back to the rest of the economy. Well, well, it's an issue, but if their stock drops, then it's an even bigger issue. That's right, in my opinion. That's right. Because then all of that becomes worthless. Like like again, so back to our previous conversation, Red, about SVB, right? That's how much money was invested in SVB and then it drops, yep. right? It The stock price drops. Where does all that money go? 
And I, this is a legitimate question. I don't know. Like, so if you have $240 billion in stock and then that turns into $100 billion, where does $140 billion of value go? It devalues the dollar. That's what it does. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, that's crazy. And that's macro, super macro scale. But like, that's wild. It's absolutely yep. wild. And and to think that, you know, when the stock market crashes in a way, or when a specific stock crashes, it hurts everyone. It does. It hurts everyone when a business crashes because it devalues the whoever's invested in that stock will end up devaluing the dollar. I just want to same- point out that between the 50s and the 60s, when our economy was like, you know, booming. Yeah. The wealthiest Americans paid an income tax rate of 91%. Really? What? An income tax rate. What income yep. were they making? Uh, back in that time, I'm um, looking at a... This is on what the, was the year? Americans for taxfairness.org website. Okay, uh, hold, between well, the 50s I, and the 60s. I'm looking at it right here. What do they mean by that? Like, I don't know. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't trust that too much. Just, just saying. Well, let's look, let's look that up with other resources to see if we can. Back yeah, that. from the IRS, from the IRS for 1965, the rates range from 14 percent to 70 percent. 70 percent is still high, but it, it's not it's 90%. very high. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's from the IRS. What does the I, IRS I would, say about now? Say, is it does it mention ne- anybody who's paying zero percent in income taxes? The IRS? Yeah. I think they'd be embarrassed to share that information. Well, I'm, I'm wondering if they're embarrassed to sell well, but, it, share it for the 1950s and 1960s as well. Uh, I mean, I can. I don't see anything on that. I've got literally the database here of going down. Okay. So I will say they combined the tax rates like crazy. Oh, okay. It's, like there used to be unclear. a ton. Yeah. Yeah, there used to be a ton of different percentages that were there. And they kind of combined them all down. Yeah. So, um, and it really, I was it Reagan that did it? Yeah, I'm the, sure Reagan did a lot was, of shit. It was 1988. <laughs> so who was president in 1988? Let's see. Because I'm a millennial and I wasn't alive yet. Who was president? Back in, in the 50s and 60s, the max capital gains. George H.W. Bush. Sorry. Was 25%, which is which seems to be on par with what it is today, but today it's, it's the top regular rates for high earners uh, ranged <laughs> from like all the way up to like the 80% for wages and other earned income and unearned income or unearned except capital gains. And then the above taxable amount when it started to like kick in during that time was like one point in the 1950 was 1.8 million dollars. That's in 2010 dollars. Back then, that was more closer to, uh, let's see, 200,000. Okay, so I'm sorry, that was a lot of facts thrown at me. I know this topic like brings we're throwing a lot of numbers and percentages. Yeah, yeah. That's let's, the listeners. Let's go, back, let's go back and say it one more time. Say it, say it one more time. Okay, so. In two thousand and ten dollars, the uh, uh, the tax when those rates start to kick in, uh, the amount when they start kicking in for those types of tax rates was uh, in today's dollars or two thousand ten dollars was one point eight million dollars. So if but you, you adjust it for, uh, is that if you have over one point eight million dollars of net worth, or is that if you make taxable over- income? 
Okay, but that's the thing. That's like, uh, I think I, you have that, 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 that does bring up a that's that is income. a good point. That's not like capital that, gains. That's income. Yeah, that is a good like point. for example, for example, if I and I, I keep using art or stocks, right? If I assets, go buy any a two asset. million dollar painting, yeah. and I just hold on to it, and that painting appreciates to five million dollars in the next ten years, but I don't sell it. I haven't made a penny and that's not taxable income. That's right. I think that falls under unearned uh, except capital gains income, which at that point would be like eight, 84. I would assume that or this is missing a whole lot of information. Yeah. Let's come back. Had totally different tax laws than we do today. There's really no yeah, reason to compare them. Yeah, let, let's let's come back to um, we'll come back to taxes. Yeah, we'll, and the yeah, let's and discuss like that. that in another uh, episode. Um, right. Let's get yeah. let's get us back on track here. I, I want to talk about CDBG. It's uh, the government's okay. um, government's program. It's called the Community Development Block Program. Okay. So what it does is cities um, or counties will apply to the federal government to get this community block program. Money borrowed from the uh, federal government to improve or build affordable communities. Okay. At least 70% of that has to benefit low to moderate income people. So if you apply for CDBG as a city, right? Um, yeah. 70% of what they give you to build whatever community development you're building has to benefit low to moderate income people. And this is what they're using to like rebuild old towns or fix old cities and things like that or build affordable housing, right? These cities apply for CDBG. It's a little tricky though. So if you're like a big city like Dallas, you can apply straight to the federal government. But if you're a tiny town like Temple, you have to apply through the state and then the state can say yes or no, depending on the whatever goals the state has. Mm. And then if the state says yes, then they push that up to the federal government. But this is essentially, gotcha. it's a program the government developed so that cities in, um, can, can rebuild their communities or keep them up to date, right? So if they're not making enough from like taxes and stuff like that as a state, then they can apply to the federal government for these grants to help rebuild their towns. Right, right. I, I just, I see if you have to apply to a state, I see a lot of places that, that could go. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Imagine being a tiny, uh, tiny town and you're like falling yeah, apart. I mean, and you're like, we need this, you know? And the state's like, yeah, but I want to grow Dallas. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Or. It's like a more nefarious nah, eminent you, domain. Yeah. You didn't vote for who I wanted you or, to vote for. Oh, even, yeah. Like, even worse, they're like, we like Dallas better because they have higher property taxes. So we'll make more money off of Dallas if they apply for this. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Like, it's, yeah. it's good and bad. I get what you're saying. I, it's good and bad. I get what you're saying. Yeah. So I have some more numbers to throw out. Okay. What are these numbers for? Okay. All right, so these are home ownership rates okay. based on different splitting and dividing of different things. Okay, different th oh, okay so, so we're talking you, about if you remember, class, if you remember back to the previous division, episode. Uh, gender yeah. division, race division. I, I have some. Okay. I have some of that. Okay, so, okay. Uh, the first one that I'm going to bring up, though, is we, we're going to remind everyone, in 2005, the peak that we saw in home ownership 
versus renting was 69%. Yep. Basically, out of everyone who lived in a place and paid for a place, 69% of them were renting or uh, sorry, were owning and the remainder rocket, were rocket. One second, one second. You said 69%? Yes. Nice. Nice. <laughs> Fuck both of them. Jesus Christ. What are we 12? Oh my 13. god. I was gonna let it slide, but <laughs> I can't. I can't let that slide. Are you kidding me? <laughs> oh my god. Um okay, so here's where it gets interesting though. Okay. All right. So home ownership in 2005, okay? 69% nationwide. Now, in the Midwest was the highest at 73%. Okay. And it has continued to be the highest at 73% for, and it almost got taken over, if you can guess, in 2020 in the South. <laughs> of course. Just barely. Of but, course. but the South immediately dropped back down into its place in uh, like the same year, in, in the second part of 2020. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. But the Midwest saw, basically, the Midwest saw a spike, but the South saw a so double the amount of spike that the Midwest saw. Okay, wait, wait. So I'm confused. They saw this. We we saw the spike in the South, but then you're saying it dropped, which means people like sold their homes. I'm confused. Yes. So, yes. so people ownership immediately came... went up and then dropped back. So they down. came over. They rushed over here. They bought everything up and then sold it and left. No, 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 no. Yeah. Well, yeah, probably. Yeah, because they made the profit and then sold it. Wow, that's super weird. They did that in like yep. one one year or two years. Yep, that's that's exactly what it happened. So Holy so shit. for example, okay, for example, homeownership in Q four of twenty nineteen. So this right is before COVID. this is a great statistic. I think you've just uh, uh, <laughs> shown us what caused this, how this mouse massive house spike actually worked out for us in the south. So uh, I'm over here thinking. Um, it, it's people who owned homes for a long time saw the prices were increasing and decided to sell and move because they were going to make a huge profit. Sure, I'm sure that's some of them. But what I'm starting to realize based on what you said is a bunch of people moved here, bought the home for a super low interest rate, saw that they drove up demand in this area, drove up the prices drastically and said, holy crap, I'm going to make a shit ton of money for just moving here for a year or two. And I'm going to leave. Yep. They came in here. And and fucked our economy in the left. So so to put it in perspective, right? Again, we have to remember these percentages seem small, but we're talking out we're of talking the millions. entirety of home ownership in the United States. Okay. Yeah. So Q four Q four of twenty nineteen, home ownership rate in the South was sixty six point seven percent, literally exactly two thirds. Okay. Yeah. Q two of twenty twenty that jumped to seventy one percent. You know, I, I got to tell 4% you, increase. this conversation is making me very, very upset. As somebody who had to go through this horrific process of trying to own a home, I've never had a home in my entire life. My parents haven't had a yeah. home. I haven't had a home. And I get the opportunity. I've worked so hard to get the income to afford a home. And I get the chance. And the second I get the chance, a bunch of greedy assholes come up here and drive up the market so damn high that I think that I'll never own a home in my entire life. Thank God I got a little lucky. I got this property off market. The guy was really nice about it. But I mean, I'm just, it, it makes me upset. Oh, yeah. And think about everyone else who was in the position to buy a home and then 
had their dreams crushed and couldn't. Yeah, no, uh, I mean, right that's, here. That's, yeah, that's literally what I <laughs> <Yeah>. described. <laughs> right here. Yeah. Well, you, yeah. you still got to buy a house. I, yeah, you still actually, got to I buy, buy one. I got to buy a rundown beat up property. Like me. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. it wasn't. Was it really that beat up when you got it? Yes. It oh, it was pretty... horrific. It was horrible. Oh, I had to fix so much stuff. I had to tear out like a bunch of stuff in the bathroom because there was like the sinks were leaking and that was like moldy and like falling apart. I had to rip apart the kitchen. The kitchen was like destroyed. You know, like it was a piece of crap. Oh, man. Yeah. Like I came in I here not... and I got to work the second I came in here. And granted, it, it looks amazing now. There's still a lot of work to do. But now, in these, like, seven months that I've owned the property, it looks amazing. Or ten months. Sorry, ten months that I've owned the property. It looks so much better than it did. Yeah. And, this is, and it's uh, really nice. To all the listeners out there, um, I think Rocket could also corroborate this. Uh, Red is a little bit bougie. So what he would describe <laughs> as disgusting I and was, unacceptable, I was maybe someone else's, like, uh, what they'd be living in now. Yeah, so like, oh, hold with a grain of salt. like I ain't yeah, I mean, again, like that. again, I, I'm just saying, like, you know, there's like, you know, a speck of dirt on the floor, and it's, oh, it's, I'm too good to be here. Okay, Red has, saying, I'm like, not Red like has that. been caught. <laughs> Red has been caught looking down on people because they had a Mercedes A class instead of a C. -class. I have an A class. What are you talking about? I'm sorry. Opposite way. I wouldn't know because I don't know the difference between no, the C classes. I have the cheapest Mercedes you can get. The A class. Yeah. <laughs> you look down yourself. on consumer cars in the same way. Isn't that right, Red? What's that? What? What'd you say? <laughs> <laughs> Do I think uh, um, a Honda Civic is cool? No. Do I think a Honda Civic Type R is cool? Yeah. That's eh, different breed. <laughs> Not the same. I mean, they have the same... So what about Toyota Corolla? It, so. I'd never own one, and I do look down on people who own them because they're very boring. Didn't you own a... Oh no, no that was I've never Camry. owned. I've never owned a Camry either. Oh, I that okay, so car. I do. It was a Chevy Cavalier. Oh, okay. 1997 Chevy Cavalier, my first car. Oh yeah. Do you know where we saw that car last? <laughs> in the back of a what was that actually? The tires were it all was... flat and it was like sitting in the back of like a dollar store or something. I don't remember. Yeah, so Red sold the car to one of my uh roommates at the time when I was in college. He sat on it for a while. I think he drove it like <laughs> once or twice and then something happened to it and it was just dead. And he was like, oh, I'm going to fix it. I'll say this and get it fixed or take it to the shop. And then um, year and a half, two years later, you know, it's still sitting in the spot, taking up our 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 single car drive uh, driveway for this rental house. He finally ends up selling it to somebody for like. God, I think he maybe sold it for like a couple hundred and within and then we forgot about it a couple months later i see i'm like looking in the parking lot of like the back parking lot of a big lots i'm like that car looks familiar is that and i noticed because i can i can recognize it from its specific scratches and dents and so many everything is like so oh my god there's scratches. the car yeah because it's the, just sitting there the person i it bought had been it sitting from there. had like wrecked it so many times and uh you know it was a, i bought it what did i buy it for like 800 bucks um you know and it was my first car and i was like yeah i'll take i take it 800 bucks i'm not, I'm not gonna beat that for a car you know and it was a piece of crap yeah. it was all dented when i bought it and like the person who had it before me wrecked it like three times 
I think it's still in that parking lot. I bet it was, in, bet it was it still is. there when I moved out because like it was like that final week I was there. I I was like I was driving by. I was like, I wonder if it's still there. And sure enough, we it should was. have checked. We should have checked during your graduation party. Oh, that, that would have been, been... <laughs> trip down memory lane. Yeah. I remember when I owned that car. Yeah. Oh man. Oh. Uh... Wait, 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 what was Rocket talking about? <laughs> we were talking about how bougie you were. Oh, right. Yeah, no, I'm not that bougie. I will, okay, just to, to switch off this really quick. When I was in Orlando last week, when I was in Orlando last week, I rolled up to the, uh, the car rental place, and they had a Jeep Gladiator Rubicon. What are you eating? Available to rent. What, what are you eating? A cough drop. cough drop. I think I'm getting sick. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry, so, man. That's okay. Um, oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Jeep Rubicon uh, Gladiator. Yes, tell me. Yeah, so anyway, um, I did not expect to see a Jeep Rubicon for available for renting, but again, it was Florida. So um, I've hated Jeeps my entire life, and mainly because I hear how unreliable they are, how easy they break down, yada, yada, yada. I'm in love. I'm absolutely in love. Yeah. Um, Wait, we should. Oh my god. We should go test drive one uh, Saturday because we're gonna go hang out Saturday. So we should just go test drive one together so you can I, show me. I would be down. Okay. I would be down. They That's... are. I, I'm. The I took the top off, like the the top panels off, and that was the most fun thing. I was like, I could just I can convert it to a convertible, and I can take this literally anywhere. I have uh four low for the first time in like a very long time i've got a four low gear set i'm like this is amazing I what's, a, wait, what's a four low gear set like like you have like high range and low range well oh for like okay so high range is like easier to shift or? highway oh no okay. no, no no high high range two different gear sets right okay. so you got one that's for like highway driving or like regular commuter driving yeah. but then if you're like rock crawling or like in the mud or something like that you've got a low range and that low range makes your engine work harder to turn your wheels less so you get more torque to get you up steeper okay so those gears so the gears turn slower the yes okay yes they're larger teeth there's a larger cog so that way if you floor it you're not like spinning your tires out like you're not spinning your tires but you're giving a lot of torque torque to move your wheels so it just gives you more control over crawling like you said which is really cool that's really cool. Yeah, and 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 you can uh you can dislocate the sway bar. Oh, I've heard about that. They have the that with the Bronco, don't they? Yes, yeah. yes. You can dislocate the sway bar. You can um immediately you know lock the front and rear why, differentials. Why would you? With the push why would you button. want that other than crawling? There's no. There's a, that's it. Crawling. Just crawling. That's the whole okay. point of it. Yeah, it's fucking awesome because you can. Because you can. Yeah. Well, that's that's it. That's that's why you want it, right? Like, because you can. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm gonna like honestly, if I bought one, I would probably wear out two sets of tires doing nothing but highway driving. But it's okay because you can. Because In you the event can. of a zombie apocalypse, I can take that thing oh off road, take the top off, and then shoot some zombies. Dude, okay. I want one of those. Uh, what was it? The um, uh, was it the Rivian? No, not the Rivian. The uh, Razvani tank. Oh, I want well, that yeah. for a zombie apocalypse. Yeah, but no convertible roof. Yeah, but you it's know. a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> Why would I want a convertible in a zombie apocalypse? I mean, so what? You, you can survive a radiation exposure. Yeah, but you're hitting zombies. The so the zombies, zombies will just yeah. fly over and land in your convertible. 
<laughs> That's true. I will also say that we have gotten very, very off topic. topic. Yeah. Okay. 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 Back. Back on. I topic. just want to. <laughs> one right. last thing. Um, Rocket is more uh, savvy when it comes to cars and car specs and all that. I'm not. I got a Ford Focus and I'm happy. But Ew. I drove that same Jeep uh, when I wrecked my car. No, you did gear. not. You didn't drive the Gladiator. You drove. You drove a um a, a normal Jeep like a. Just a Rubicon. Wrangler. Uh, Wrangler. Wrangler. Yeah. It was a Rubicon. Yeah, Rubicon. Okay, well, it probably was yeah, very, again, very similar. Uh, case in point, yeah. Rayman, uh, layman when it comes to that stuff. And I still, did, ha- I, I was, I got the hype. Yeah. I was did driving, you, the, I had to did, drive that Did you enjoy people road. waving at you? Yes. Yes. I know. I, I did too. too. I was like, oh, it it's a Jeep like, waving at a Jeep. That's so cheesy. And then you're in one and you're like, oh my God, she waved at me. I love this. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, I was like joining like an exclusive club for a moment. I was yeah. just driving through like you know, it anywhere was like from that. like in the back roads. Like whenever I went to like because uh, I was driving for thank I was traveling for Thanksgiving at the time, and we hit yeah. a deer, and my poor Ford uh, Escape got mangled by it. I probably yep. could have made it the other the rest of the trip, but not moment, without moment losing of silence him. for the poor deer. Yeah, <laughs> it it survived. It took off. The officer was trying to find it <laughs> to make sure it wasn't like an obstruction. Deer's fine. Car wasn't. But uh, driving it through the back roads in Texas was amazing. Even like in the middle of nowhere gas stations, I was like getting people like, hey, man, that's a nice ride. It's like, yeah, I know. I do love Jeeps. Whenever I see a Jeep, I'm like, I'll never buy one, but I do like seeing them. I I would get one as a third vehicle. Yeah. Like like if I have two reliable vehicles and one and I get a toy, the toy is going to be exactly. Yeah, I won't that's... lie when I said I calculated the payment for it when I was renting it. They gave me 30 days with it. And yeah. I had to choose between that and a Dodge Caravan. Obviously, I chose. The yeah, two. obviously. Yeah. And near the end of my uh, rental, uh, I was Dude, like looking so... up how much the payments would be. And it was it. I, t- I quickly turned off from that. So, so but... like like Greg, like Greg said, I am a bit of a car person uh, at one point in my many different trips for work. Um, I rent cars, right? And there was one visit where there was a big event going on. And the only thing that was left was the Dodge Caravan. That was the only vehicle they had for me. And it was 10 o'clock at night. Uh, me being a car person though. And again, I know I sound busy doing this, but I literally told them I'm going to be back at 7 a.m. to get a different vehicle. Make sure it's ready because I was not going to be caught. I don't dead blame you driving a Dodge. Minivan. I do not. Blame I just you. wasn't. I'm like I I I I just I have standards in the middle. Yeah, in the standards. middle of a nice city like where it's like super populated. I just. I, I yeah. I just I can't. I just I can't do it. I, so I I went back and got a Dodge. Charger I did. Or I should like have that, done the but... same thing with that Mitsubishi Mirage I rented when we when me and oh. Red went to go visit Denver. I was for the so first upset time. that you guys like that we got that you guys that we got that oh man dude i was like you gotta be kidding me it's like gonna be snow we went during christmas it's gonna be snowing and we got that uh, like that isn't the mirage car in America. isn't the mirage like literally on like uh wheels that are as thick as like a water bottle yeah they're, it's like one of the cheapest it's, cars in america it's a piece of yeah crap. they look like yeah it oh it took i was flooring it just trying to get it up to 60 i was on the i was just upset i was like i can't believe this Ah. Uh, uh, that was that was wild and to drive that in the snow was such a pain in the ass i am so glad you came with us because i have no experience driving in the yeah. snow red 
used to live in Montana. Yeah. So he had some experience. Bozeman, Montana get us to for two years. Airport alive. Yeah. I had to like, I was like, I wasn't the type of guy to be like, you know, I can drive it. I'll be fine. Nope. I was like, it is all yours. <laughs> you can drive this through the snow if you want. Yep, I drive if it in the happens, highways and everything. I, I had it. I was letting him know if something happens, you know, it's on me because you're probably going to come out. Be- We're all going to come out on- with a better outcome if you drive than if I do in the snow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Are you ready for the final statistic that I yes, have Yes, please you? tell me. Okay. So we talked about the big spike, right? Yeah. We talked about that. And we talked about, and I, I really quickly, I'll just touch on it again. So the South is a great example. That was one of the highest spikes and it went from 67 to 71. And then in the same year, it, or we'll say Q1 of 2021, it dropped right back down to 67. And I bet almost so. all of that was like in places like Dallas. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Like, absolutely. Uh, Dallas, Austin. So yeah. they came and yeah. went, the statistics went back to normal, but all the prices were like, Stayed the yeah, same. because they raised the, because they raised yeah. everything up and then they sold them. And then everyone else who was like, oh my God, I need to sell. Now they're stuck holding the bag. Yeah. Oof. It's awful. Yeah. I yep. went from being able to purchase a beautiful home for, uh, you know, 300,000 is... to, you know, not being able to buy anything at all. Yeah. There is one market that has not cooled off yet though. Actually, it looks like there's two. There's two. Uh, actually, it's really the, let's see. The South... I'm going to go over this. The South, the overall homeownership, uh, which again, a lot of it's in the South. It was really the South and the West had that massive spike and then cooled off. But the Northeast had a more gradual spike and has remained at the elevated level. And the Midwest has cooled off slightly, but is still at an elevated level compared to the general. Yeah. So anyway, we don't have to talk about that anymore. The one that I really want to talk about, and this is the one, this is by race yes i want to hear about this yes okay can we guess what race owns the most percentage of houses i'm gonna guess okay wait i'm gonna guess it goes caucasian asian number two uh number three mexican and number four is black or african-american whichever you are that is exactly what i was gonna say okay are we ready yeah we're going to start we're going to start at the f- beginning or, or uh sorry we're going to start at well where do you guys want to start you want to start now or you want to start in 1995 uh let's start in 1995 just right. for those of uh, the listeners who aren't uh familiar with US history okay so 1995 okay or should we go even further i can try to go no further. no no let's just stick, uh, let's just stick yeah. with 19 1995 yeah, let's just stick okay. with that all right 1995 here we go all right so in first place comes what do you think? If you're waiting White. for a drum roll, yeah, it's White. not going to happen. Yeah, okay. yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Nobody's going to be surprised. I don't have a drum 70%, John. 70% of white home occupiers owned a house. Okay. Okay. In comparison, 40.3% of Hispanics owned a house in 1990, 1994, but same, about the same timeline. Um, 42% of blacks owned a house. Okay. Uh huh. And then all other races were grouped together and that was 50%. So if you were any other race, 50, 50 shot, 50, 50 okay? shot, you got a home. Yep. All right. Now we're going to jump forward to 2005. Okay. 10 years later, whites owned 
76%. So if you were if you were white, then three out of four white home occupiers owned a house. Okay. Damn. All right. Black owned 48%. So the trend continue. I will say, for the most part, the trend did continue in the same direction. Okay. Now, all other races jumped up higher a whole 10%. Okay. okay. Uh-huh. So they they had the biggest spike in that 10-year segment. And then Hispanics beat out blacks. So they became in at 49%. Yeah. So they they took over in at that time and they have not let go of the second to last spot since of homeowners. Okay. Okay. So now I'm gonna skip the next couple of years. Obviously, there was the crash. Everyone went down. No one changed spots. Everyone went back up. In 2016, they added in the, uh, what was that one? The Asian, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander alone. Okay. Okay. Kind of weird so to group that, those together, but all right. I I don't know why they do. I don't know why they group Asian with like Pacific Islander. Native American or Pacific Islander. Yeah, it's just, it's very that strange. Was, that very makes strange, no but, sense, but okay. Yeah, so 53% for Pacific Islander. That's the new one. They, they basically sit right in the middle. White, though, in 2015, 63%. Still miles ahead of everyone yeah. else. And when I mean miles, the next one is the Pacific Islander at 56%. Wow. Okay. Now, the the Blacks have been at the very bottom for the entire time since the Hispanics crossed over in 2005. And... In 2015, they were 41%. Their largest spike to date since 2005 was up to just 47%. So less than half. So it's interesting, right? When we talk about inequality and we talk about, you know, we talk about things not being fair. Just like those big disparities. When you just, it, it makes you it makes when, you it makes you stare at it, right? And you're like, why? The shade why is it like of that? your skin. You know what? It makes me think about it, it and I don't think why. I think how can it change? Every time some I hear about some wild statistic that affects a major like a majority of the population in a negative way, my first thought is, what can we possibly do to change it? This is horrific, and it makes me sad. Yeah, and um, there are a couple of things that are going on to change it. There is this one organization that is like, it helps um, black people specifically get a house. Yeah, that's good. We need more of that. It is, what is it? The the Black Home Ownership Collaborative. Okay, what, how is this managed? Is this managed by just a, a group of... I believe it's so. It's not managed I think by it's... the government at all? Uh... I have no idea. Don't know what to tell you. No. Yeah. I, I'm not sure. Uh, it looks like California also has a black home ownership initiative. Okay, so the state the state manages that one. That's good. Yep, that is managed by the state. So, yeah. Uh, they actually have a statistic on there that black homeowners were at 42.4% in California in 1960. And in 2019, that was down 2% to 409 Damn. In the state of California, looks like. Yeah, so it's gotten worse as far as homeownership goes. So, which is just crazy to me. That is crazy. Absolutely crazy. Well, I mean, it's gotten yeah. worse for everybody over the years, right? Like, 
every it, it, year. It has gotten worse. It has it has gotten worse. Every right? year it gets harder I, to own yeah. a home. Every single year. Yep. And then it didn't help yeah. that we had the 2019 to 2022 thing, and it's still kind of going on right now. It, it, every year it's right. gotten increasingly harder, and then now it's like it jumped ten times harder, and it's still getting increasingly harder every year. Like it's not right. getting right. better at all. Yeah, no, that that's you're completely right. You're completely right. And inflation, you know, inflation drives up, um, you know, cost of living, which drives up wages, which drives up inflation which drives up, you know it's Makes it's, it's, it's so a that my apples circle, are eight dollars right? <laughs> uh yeah or my butter was six dollars a, a half ridiculous. the tub of butter i normally buy was six that is absolutely ridiculous i could have gone to walmart i would just say i could have gone to walmart wife really wanted to go to target so i was in there shopping and i needed butter i used to like, always buy the specific 89 cent butter for like cooking recipes was it one of the ones in a white box that just said butter? No, on it? it was like Imperial. No, it wasn't the plain ass label. No, that was it just was like, like Imperial butter or something like that. And it was um. Oh, the, like the fifty percent vegetable. I don't one? remember, it, but it's. Like, I think I, I think I know what you're talking yeah. about. Right, it's the sticks, right? Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw that today. It was actually. It was like. It was only like two dollars, and I was like, I don't know what this oh, is. Okay. It doesn't match I was any of the other prices. That. But you said it's only like two dollars. Guess how much it was before that. 89 cents is it butter though like is it like it is it is butter and it was 89 oh. cents well what like wait but wait why is why is that so cheap and all the other it ones went are, up just to two dollars it went from 89 uh, okay cents yeah to i know i know it went up to two dollars Every, oh, everything oh, okay, went up okay i mean so my, I, my I question get, is though is it, okay so yeah, well, yeah. let's let's google it why is imperial butter so if everyone cheap. who's listening is wondering this is directly relevant <laughs> This is directly oh, relevant. I to found it. out why Imperial spread is so cheap. Okay. Why? Because so it's 50% vegetable I'm in the grocery oil? store looking at Lando Lake's uh, margarine all out. I decided to try something called Imperial vegetable spread. Okay. Comes in sticks like yeah, butter so or margarine. Yeah. So it's like a vegetable spread. <laughs> I said okay. that. That shit is nasty. <laughs> <laughs> Was that a comment? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> somebody somebody just commented like two two comments down it just says try butter next time <laughs> <laughs> i tried that shit once too <laughs> oh that's funny that's funny okay well don't don't get that then that's, i think it's fine it's for my steaks I, I use it for my steaks and it's fantastic and you can ask both rocket and uh greg i make fantastic steaks he does <laughs> i'm just kidding no they're yeah. great they're great the the seriousness that red puts into the steak making process is just it's something to behold i feel like i'm watching a five-star chef so, <laughs> oh, that was with the burgers really lets his bougie show oh greg you did you miss greg missed out on those amazing burgers i made uh he did with the uh what did we I what used, did we add in that meat i used like, bone marrow much... in that that meat because you, you bought meat that was way too lean so i was like it's okay right. i'll fix it and i went and got a bunch of bone marrow scooped it out of the bones yep. and i mixed that with the meat and the bone marrow kind of renders down into the meat as like extra fat and that's a really yep. good way and, to get like a rich flavor right first time that red tried out my pellet grill and too. they came out so it was a it was beautiful a, oh they were so they, good. they had it a beautiful so like red color on them and like they smelled amazing and like holy those were my best burgers i have ever made those were amazing yeah, was, it was fantastic absolutely fantastic. yeah so all right 
Does I have this article have... right here uh, regarding okay. home ownership compared uh, Look to at you. China uh, and the U.S. That is something we need to touch on. Yeah, that I just thought I think about that deserves its own um, discussion, uh, own episode because it also because there's also a discussion to be had with not just uh, with uh, their housing and their uh, the cultural aspects surrounding uh, China and like their affinity towards real estate. Uh, just a little yes. sneak oh, yeah. peek of that. We should definitely in 2018, the percentage of home ownerships on the population of China was 89.68 percent, owning at least one property. So, 89.6 oh, percent of people owned a property. Yeah. So almost all their citizens had a property. Yeah, at least one. Wow. That doesn't even begin to speak about multiple properties because uh, I was watching an expose on uh, that banking failure that happened last year with uh, what was that big bank that was like too big to fail in China that ended up like it's still like undergoing uh, some stuff uh, regarding like how much money that they owe and them defaulting on loans and stuff and just all these properties that were promised that were already paid for and promised to uh uh, Chinese citizens and like they're going they're they're not being finished because of uh the official uh reason is because of uh supply chains and all that but really it's because they over leveraged and now they're defaulting on some of their more important loans and now they're they don't have enough to finish the houses that they have yep. because they keep they keep, the they keep using what they have and leveraging it to buy more yep. land and more properties to build these bigger apartments and like condos and stuff for them to sell, but they're not taking care of the uh, ones that they started building on. So yeah. Uh, so here's, that's here's, why here's an interesting whole, thing though. Yeah. Here, here's an interesting thing about China though. And I'm reading this with one website. So take all of this with a grain of salt, but apparently according to this, China does not actually allow private ownership of real estate property. You okay. are granted the use of it by a granted land use right or, or, or sorry, and the allocated land use yeah, right. Vietnam so has you will have. Thing. But they're still allowed to profit from it. They can. It's just yeah. on paper, they don't. The government own. Kind of like because how the on government, paper, the government can take it at any yeah. time. And, that's, that's kind of the, the same, same thing, thing as everywhere. Because, everywhere is yeah. like that. You know, I don't you know what they have in China, but well, no, no, no. That's not the same. That's not the same as the United States. No, though. it's not the same, you... but it is right. Like if the government it's... really wanted my home, they would find a way to get it, right? Oh well, yeah, but that's yeah, that's, that's true. That's, I mean, with eminent yeah. domain, with eminent yeah. domain, yeah. But like, yeah, that's true. I mean, but but I think that you know, are you are you paying for the like if so, say that in if you buy a house in China or quote unquote get the ability to access a house in China, do you just pay for the house for the duration of like how much the house? No, is you worth, buy it, or is it more of like a rent? No, you situation? buy it. No, no, but you can't buy no, it. No, you can't. You can't. No, no, no. it's the same the thing, thing in Vietnam. It's the same exact thing in Vietnam. So here's how it works in Vietnam: they buy the okay. property. So the property is three hundred thousand dollars. They buy the property for three hundred thousand dollars. They get a uh, like a. a a deed that says like they they're borrowing the land from the government, right? The government still owns the land and they're kind of like borrowing. Okay. They pay the $300,000 payment. They pay a one-time tax, like a sales tax, and that's it. They're done. They don't pay anything else. Okay. Okay. So it is like buying, yeah. but the government can take it away. Now, here's my question though. In the United States, you have to have like, so if you have eminent domain, right? You can get fucked by eminent domain, but at least you're going to get something yeah. out of it. 
do does like the government in Vietnam no, do they they'll take, they'll, pay they'll, people they'll back? They'll take it. They'll just take it. They don't there isn't any cases that I know of where they do take it, but they will. They'll if they can and if they want to, they will just take yeah, it. Yeah, like like say say you're a um say you're like a, a, a massive like, you know, um let's say you own a massive amount of land and the Vietnam government wants to build a highway on it. They're gonna tell you to get lost. Yeah. And not pay that's for right. it. Oof. Yeah. That's see that that's terrible. And I'm guessing China's probably I'm the sure same it way. Is. Like they could do it the yeah. same way. Yeah. I, and now there's no they there's have no... the option to do that. Whether they uh, the government says, All right, we're gonna give you some money, we're gonna help you relocate, that's up to the government, right? They can do it if they want, they don't have to. Right. According to an HSBC uh, fact sheet, which is like a British banking uh, financial institute, 70% in 2017, 70%, 70% of Chinese millennials aged 19 to 36 already owned their own home. That's incredible. But yes, say, 70% say of Wait, Chinese, 70% of Chinese millennials aged 19 to 36 this was in 2017. They already owned their own home. At, what is it now? Because the Chinese uh, economy is like completely collapsing because of yeah, this it's real changed estate. a lot since then. Yeah. But uh, a big factor in this article that contributed to that high ownership rate was the fact that student debt in China is virtually non-existent due to multiple government subsidies that makes higher education cheap enough that's so that yeah. you can actually do what we used to do back in like the 70s and 80s our parents used to do back in the 70s and 80s and work part-time to pay for college yep. now you're working part-time just to put food on the table if you're going you're to lucky if you can put food on the table right jeez yeah yeah that's that's wild this this uh yeah, so I, I definitely think we should revisit this topic with China and how they're doing it because um, well, but yeah, we, this was like over the course of over. It's not like China's somebody yes. we should follow. You know, they totally no, but it's something to see because you know yeah. we can take like some of the good stuff. No, oh my god, there, I don't think there's any good stuff here. But the the thing with China too is you have to remember, like I'm, I'm reading some of the stuff here, like it's prohibitively high to buy a house in China, and basically the government is fucking you. It's true when you agree to buy yep. one. So you you don't have a choice to rent. Ninety percent, like you you rent if you have the money, but really you're going to get locked into some terrible fucking contract for a house that is so prohibitively expensive, and they're going to make a deal with you in somehow. I mean, it's the same thing with like Italy, right? Like in Europe, like there are hundred year mortgages. At least there were at one point. There were hundred year mortgages, and so you'd buy a million dollar villa, town townhome or a vineyard or something like that, and it's a couple million dollars, but it's for a hundred years. So your children are going to be paying on that. I want a hundred year mortgage. Oh God. Imagine if I could buy a yeah, $400,000 like, like, house on a hundred year mortgage. I got That'd scared really of an nice. eight year car, an eight year contract okay. loan for a car, a hundred years. Well, you got to think about uh, how much to pay off your no, house. No, 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 no. You got, you got to think about the value of the land. Yeah. Yeah. Think about the value of land. How I long guess, before yeah. you could just pay it off with the equity? Right. If I had a hundred year loan in America in like a city and I paid four hundred thousand yeah. dollars, I mean, I could see it that just paying into higher off. prices. Because isn't that how uh, isn't that how housing prices had gone up? Because back in like the, I want to say the forties, uh, it was part of that video I had brought up earlier. Yeah. But 
they also uh it was a uh, an interesting stat was that the price of a house was so like low like it was less than uh the breadwinner's salary yeah i think so, like, i think could, average could, income if you was worked, 2000 if you worked for it you could pay off that house in like a couple years on like an average so it's it's night it was the 1950s it was the average home price was 7400 the median income was about 3000 and that's in the 1950s so you if you wanted to you could pay off your house in like two years three years yeah yeah Yeah. i mean housing prices in general again the 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 gap from the income to the cost of a house has grown exponentially. There is no denying yeah. that. There's no talking about it. And almost all of it points to supply and That's demand. Right. There are just less houses and more people. today. And and the houses are not the same houses that were built in 1950. That's right. Even if you were to, again, if you were to go build a 1950-style house, which you couldn't you today couldn't, you legally, literally, yeah, you legally. You couldn't could legally build it today. But even if you could, adjusted for inflation, it's going to be about the yeah. same. Because, but no one wants to buy an 800 square foot house that is built with 1950s technology, and that's illegal to actually live. Yeah. In. So, like, you know what I mean? Like, like you're paying when you buy a house today, you are paying literally for at least if it's a four hundred thousand dollar house, I'd say you're probably paying for at least three hundred fifty thousand dollars worth of material. And it's tr- it's true. Well, I, that might be a, a bit of a stretch, but I don't know. I'm not one hundred percent positive on that. I I, I don't builders don't make a I mean they make some but you know when I mean real estate well, obviously makes some the builders, the builders it's, make it's some it's not just the builders yeah. it's gonna be the architect and everybody else everybody's getting a cut right so so yeah but 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 say you buy a used house right a used house right? uh, yeah um, okay so if you buy a used house the only people right. making money is the person who owned the house and the exactly uh, the realtor <laughs> that's it and well yeah. the mortgage people it's debatable you know whatever um yeah. But, Oh, but, yeah. I, but sorry, but back to the new house thing. You're right on the used house, but on the new house, when you're building those houses, like again, there, there I would be curious standard. to know the construction labor cost. Like, what does it cost a builder, the realtor, and the bank to get that house up off the ground, right? And then when I walk in, how much am I being fucking stabbed in we the back? We don't know that. Nobody. We very. The only people who have those numbers are the fucking builders and the banks. Well, hold on, hold on. No, no, no. I, I bet I can uh, find a general. This brings up something uh, that I had. What uh, is the markup on a? While he's looking that up, I want to talk about this expose I was reading. Or I was watching. Oh, he already found it. I did. It's ridiculous. What's isn't the it? markup? Okay, if you guys had to guess, we're gonna do one more guess oh, for tonight. If you guys had to guess, two hundred percent. No, no, not that <laughs> okay. I'll think it's more closer to like fifty. Uh, no, really, not that bad either. Really 25, 25 to 30%. That's still really high. Which is still ridiculously high. That is high. absolutely ridiculous. Ridiculously high. That's the markup they're charging for the cost of building a house versus what they're trying to sell it for? Yeah. Yeah. So, so again, you have a 300... No, what's the easiest math to do this with? You have a $500,000 house. From the That's what it costs the builder to make. It's gonna cost you seven fifty at least, <laughs> right? Yeah. Am I doing no, that? that right? I like the returns on that. That sounds right to me. So would you, it's close would to you that. Do that. Yeah, it's close 30%? to that. Or no, 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 no. Sorry, six fifty cost you. Would you do, wait, would you yeah. do that math on thirty percent? Uh, yeah, thirty twenty five twenty five percent. I think. Yeah, because say five hundred. Oh right? yeah, so that'd be so six twenty five. 
625 yeah. yeah but plus i mean plus closing costs plus, right? yeah plus closing through. costs and all that yeah. stuff but well, yeah we, we don't talk. but that's, that's not the, being that's, put on the builder is it that's putting put on that's like, being put on the, that's putting the on the buyer yeah. that's the you buyer 25 percent you've got to pay all that stuff like you know there's 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 a cost to it but we're talking yeah. about just the markup of the house we're not talking about anything else right yep so many things affect the housing market um, I was watching this expose on uh, in Canada. You know, our, you think our housing uh, crisis is bad. Canada has got it really bad up there. With like oh, the, I know. What's I know. Have you seen price there's of this a house in Toronto? Yeah. Have you seen that one trending video of what like two million dollars gets you in Toronto? Oh, and it's like that God. three story loft. Yeah, that's like <laughs> eighteen hundred square feet, and it's like you're walking through like cargo Can containers. We about the gap yeah. though for like housing. If I spend five to seven hundred thousand dollars on a house today, which back in the day that would be back in the day three years ago, that'd be a mansion. But five to seven hundred thousand dollars yeah. on a house today would buy me a a basic cookie cutter home, which is absolutely ridiculous. But if I spend yep. over a million, I can get a mansion. How that's a yeah yeah I mean in certain markets yeah if I spend so if I'm yeah, spending seven hundred seven hundred fifty just a few hundred more thousand and I can get like something that's like uh, exponentially better yeah because because again once you build the house again depending on the size right I mean obviously we're not talking like a thirty car mansion or anything but once you build the house the extra money and all that is all on the interior and it's all on the, you know, the design and the layout and everything else. Like the materials are materials. Now, I'm not talking right? about just materials. I'm talking about you're getting a bigger home, like a drastically yeah. bigger home. Like you're going from 3000 square feet to 6,000 square feet. Like you're not, it doesn't, the math doesn't yeah. math. Like how are you doubling the amount of space you get for like, an extra hundred to two hundred thousand dollars. Well, here, here, let's 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 first answer this question. So, just Dallas County average cost per acre. Oh, we're talking about acre. No, I'm talking about like literally the square footage of a home. I know, but but I was curious oh. if it was just like the base price, right? Because yeah. you're buying an acre of land, yeah. right? That's bullshit. There's no fucking. What is way. the average for Dallas County? This says. Yeah, this is the Dallas Fort Worth area price per is uh three thousand seven hundred dollars. That's bullshit. No, that is bullshit. I can't even get that's no a fucking 4, way. You square can't get a lot of land in DFW is like sixty seventy thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here we go. Okay, price per acre is one hundred and fifty four thousand. That makes more sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's that. Well, that's far, that's just farmland for sale. That's what not first, even that's not even in yeah, Dallas. Saying, I, I think it'd like, be higher in Dallas, but that does it, it's closer to what I would think. Yeah, that first statistic like, sounds like they didn't remove the outliers that skew the results yeah. and like no, but that's bullshit. I mean, like here, look, here's just there land. Is an outlier that could skew the results that much. Just land. This red is uh, like over kind of by, well, it's not really where you live, but it's the same highway on the other side of Dallas, but it's 1.7 million for 16 acres. So you're looking at like, you know, like it's about a hundred thousand yeah. dollars. So just to get a house on an acre of land. And again, that's in the middle of nowhere land. Like I would honestly, like, honestly, it's got to be at least $250,000 to $300,000 an acre if you look at it from a neighborhood perspective because you're building that's, on like that's insane. That's insane. And 
and, and least, Rock, right? Rocket, I think I think this is a good wrapping up point for this episode, and we're going to need to continue this conversation in our next episode. Uh, this this has been a really really good discussion. Yeah, I I think so too. I think so too. All right. Well, with that being said, I think it's time to wrap up. All right, guys. Uh, till next time. I'll see, see you guys you later. next week. Later. For more information regarding Curly Brace Podcast and the host, check out curlybracepodcast.com and follow us on social media. To never miss an episode, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.